Thank you, Hayes. Thank you, team. Well, morning, church. How are you? It's good to see you today. Glad that you're here worshiping at a great first service. Glad that we get to worship together today. Hey, before we jump in, uh, I got one more thing to let you know about. Something coming up in November. Uh, we have Dinao. Uh, this is an event we've been doing for years here. This is for our students. Uh, and listen, I grew up going to D-Now. I actually spent years and years preaching at events like this. Still get out and do those. And we have seen, even here, and I've seen it everywhere, just how powerful and impactful it can be when students get together and say, hey, I'm going to give a full weekend to the Lord. Uh, I'm going to give my full attention uh, we're going to gather together, kind of conference style. You hear some great speakers, have worship, have Bible studies, get to gather together with your friends to say, I want to give my complete and total attention to the Lord. It can have profound spiritual impact in their lives. And so look, if you have a student, I hope you've got them already signed up, November 11th through the 13th, uh, it'll be happening here at the Mount Laurel campus. It's just in a few weeks. I mean, literally just a little over a month uh, away, that'll be happening. Uh, but even if you don't have a student, I hope that you're going to be praying for this event, praying for salvation, praying that our students are impacted, praying that we see folks who don't even go to our church come and get just, not just fellowship with us, but really grow in the Lord together with us. And so listen, this is a, something we all want to be praying for as our students are going through this. Chad Poe uh, is an old friend of mine. He's been here multiple times preaching before. Very excited to have him back uh, speaking to us. But listen, we're very excited about Nina. So put it on your calendars. Make sure your students are signed up and maybe preparing for that on November 11th through the 13th. Uh, But now, grab your Bibles, if you will. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 7 this morning. Matthew chapter 7 is where we're going to be as we continue our series called Draw Near. We have been learning about prayer over the course of the past month and more. we got a lot more to learn. Uh, But as we are this deep into the series, I hope that you're not just simply learning about prayer, but that you're actually praying more. You're delving in. You're learning about prayer. You're practicing. You're letting the Lord draw you close to him. And one of the ways we're doing that is that we're all praying together every day. So 1 p.m. every day, we are all praying for just a couple minutes. Uh, I got an alarm set on my phone at 12.59 for it to go off. And multiple times this week, I find myself in random places wondering, why is there music coming out of my pocket? Because I had forgotten. I did not know it was 1 o'clock. And I found myself at lunch with a friend. Or yesterday, I was out here at the, at the festival. And all of a sudden, like, okay, it's time to pray. And whoever I'm there with, you just stop and have a quick moment of prayer. And it's been awesome. Uh, just to pray with different people, to pray about different things, but also to recognize that I'm praying with you. Wherever you are at this time, the entire church gets to pray together at 1 p.m. So we got calendars out front. You can go to the social media uh, sites, Facebook, Instagram. If you want to know what we're praying for that day, you can just pull that up. It'll be right there uh, uh, on that feed at that moment. So you can look at it and then join with us in prayer. I've already heard some really cool stories about how this is encouraging different people. So join in with us 1 p.m. every single day for the rest of the month. Uh, but look, if we're this deep in a series on prayer, there's a nagging question, a lurking question that kind of hides in the background that sooner or later has to be addressed, and it is this, does prayer work? Because if we're going to ask everybody to pray, it begs that question, okay, why? Does it actually do anything? Like, uh, what, what am I supposed to be accomplishing with all this prayer? Why is it important at all? Why are we spending all this time talking about it? Does it actually work? And look, you're in a church, and so you're contractually obligated to say yes to that statement if I ask you out loud, right? I mean, that's, you say, well, yes, of course, it works, but in the back of our minds, there might be a different answer. 
some of you might say, Adam, I, no, I don't, I don't know if prayer works. And if you don't know what your answer is, all we have to do is simply look at our prayer lives. Some of you guys are amazing, incredible prayer warriors. I know because I get encouraged by you. This whole church gets encouraged by you. But for many of us, that's not the case. And if you struggle with prayerlessness, if you ever had seasons when it was hard to pray, one of the reasons is probably because in the back of our mind, we're asking this question and saying, "I, I just don't know if prayer actually works. I don't know if prayer actually does anything. And look, everybody wrestles with this sooner or later. And there are very real tangible reasons why we get to that place. Typically, there's two problems. I'm sure there's more, but but two problems that kind of punt us into a place where we say, I just don't know if prayer actually works. The first problem is this. We wonder, uh, or we just think, I just don't think that God actually responds to my prayer requests. I don't think that the God of the universe actually responds to my particular requests. This is a theological snag. We begin to learn more about the grandeur of the Lord, the glory of the Lord, the sovereignty of the Lord. And we think, listen, God is in control. He knows everything. And so look, he's just gonna do what he's gonna do. He's not gonna listen to the likes of me. Why would a God who knows more than me, who controls more than me, why would he actually listen to anything that I have to say? And so look, if he wants to do something great, but More than often than not, I bet he's just going to do whatever he's going to do. And probably it'll be better than what I would have said anyway. So you know what? Thy will be done. Which sounds great and all, but the result is we just don't pray anymore. We just think God's going to do what he's going to do, but why should I ask for anything? Why should I ask for it to be different? God's just going to do whatever he's going to do. And the result is, is that we just don't pray Or maybe there's a second problem. You just said, Adam, prayer just doesn't work. Adam, I tried it. Look, I want that to be true, but I just don't know if it is because I look at my prayer life and I've prayed for a lot of things and and in the main, I just don't see a whole lot of change. I don't see things that have actually changed in response to my prayers. I mean, yeah, every now and then you see something, but isn't that just kind of like the law of averages? Like, if you pray about everything, sooner or later, aren't you going to, you know, find something? I mean, a blind squirrel finds a nut every now and then, right? I mean, sooner or later, you're just going to kind of stumble on something, but that's just averages. That's not actually something that happens. And so, Adam, maybe that happens for, I don't know, Billy Graham or Mother Teresa or monks and nuns or other people, but, but not me. I just don't think it actually works for me. And so we end up praying kind of like we would play the lottery, we don't have a lottery here in Alabama, but imagine if we did and you went to buy a lottery ticket. What would be your expectation if you bought a lottery ticket? If you buy a lottery ticket, technically it is possible for you to win millions of dollars. But more than likely, nothing's going to happen. That's it. That's what's going to happen. Some of us, that's how we tackle prayer. Yes, technically it is possible that God would actually do something in response to our prayers, but more than likely, nothing's going to happen. And if that's our attitude, then here's the result. We'll just, we just won't pray. We won't ask for anything. We won't actually bring any of our requests to the Lord. And hence, we find ourselves in a cycle of prayerlessness and dryness in our spiritual life. But what if there's more going on than we understand? 
What if it's possible that we have misunderstood the very point and purpose of prayer? And what if it can actually be much more powerful than we think? That's why we find ourselves in Matthew chapter 7 this morning. If you look at Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 7, uh, if you've got a red letter Bible uh, like I do, you find yourself in the midst of the Red Sea right there. Uh, This is the Sermon on the Mount, largest section of unbroken teaching that Jesus gives us. He is teaching to a large crowd of everyone, men, women, children, every man, every woman, all of us, just a normal crowd, not the spiritual elite, not just his apostles. He's telling everybody these things. And he's already said quite a bit about prayer. If you were with us at the beginning of the series, we looked at the Lord's Prayer. That's right there earlier, right here in this very same section. He said, here then is how you should pray. He also told us how not to pray. He said, don't pray showy prayers. Don't pray with all these words, assuming that the the volume of your prayers earns you some sort of hearing. At the end of chapter six, he'll even say this. He'll say, hey, listen, I know you're, you're asking about food, drink, and clothing. I know about all these things. I'll give them to you, but seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. But listen now to what Jesus says to us In Matthew 7, starting in verse 7, he says this, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if a son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask Him? This is the incredible invitation and promise that the Lord gives to us. Look, when we started this series, we entitled it Draw Near. We started with an invitation and a promise. God says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. So invitation, draw near to me. I want you to come close to me. Then promise, I will draw near to you. So an amazing invitation for us to grow in our relationship with him, to draw near to him in prayer. Here we have something similar. He gives invitations and then promises. Three invitations, ask, seek, knock. He is inviting us to communicate with him. He is inviting us to bring our request to him and then promises, if you ask, you will receive. If you seek, you will uh, find. And if you knock, the door will be open to you. Promises from God who says, listen, this isn't for a few people. It's for everyone who does this. This is the amazing invitation and promise that the Lord gives to us. But therein lies the problem. We say, yeah, but I, don't, I, I get that and I want that to be true. I hear what he says. I just don't experience that. I've, I've tried prayer and I've done these things and it just doesn't work like that. I mean, I would love it if that was actually my experience. It's just not. So what do I do with that? Well, you can't miss the next couple verses. Look what he says next. He gives us an analogy. He says, which one of you, if, you're, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or ask for a fish, we'll give him a serpent. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? 
All right, so right on the heels of the invitation and the promise, the Lord speaks in terms of relationship. He doesn't speak in terms of process or mechanics. He speaks in terms of a relationship. He says, listen, if you're a parent and you have children and your children ask you for something, you're not just going to mess with them and give them something that's going to harm them. No, you love your children and you're going to give them good things. And he says, look, you guys are evil. You're messed up. I'm not. He says, if you then, even though you're not perfect, you love your children, how much more will your heavenly father provide for those who ask him? He says, this is how I see you. This is how I interact with you in prayer. I interact in terms of relationship. And if we can actually see prayer, not in terms of mechanics, but in terms of relationship, it it makes it a whole lot easier to understand. Let's see if you can understand this way. Let's ask a different question for a moment. We're asking, does prayer work? Let me ask you a different question. Does dating work? Ever thought about that? I had reason to think about this question a lot. Some of you guys know I got married a lot later in life. I was married at 37, so I spent about 20 years dating. That's a story for another day. (laughs) I asked this question a lot. Does dating work? And my answer was no, clearly. I keep dating. It's not working out. There are a lot of first dates, a lot of relationships. Thought it was going well, and then it wasn't going well. Man, before I met Allison, there was just a, a lot of false starts. I'm like, God, what is going on? Does dating actually work? My answer would be, no, I've been trying to do this, and it doesn't work. But obviously, the answer is yes, also. Yes, dating works. If you want to find out whether you're compatible with somebody, I mean, whether you're going to have the same desires, the same values, is this somebody you can trust, somebody you can, you can work with over time? And listen, dating is very helpful. Alice and I ended up dating about two years before we got married, and it was very helpful for us in our married life. And so, yes, dating works, but it's not so simple. I mean, dating is not the kind of thing that just... You can run on a schedule. It doesn't work universally. People are different. Relationships are different. It depends on how old you are, how old they are, what you've been through. Every single situation is unique. And so there's no formula. Uh, there's no one thing you, you can do, no one process. You, you just have to kind of take it case by case. But that makes sense because it's relational. Let's ask another question that maybe you can relate to. Does parenting work? By your laughter, I would assume that many of you, your answer is no. Clearly no. Have you seen my children? Help me. Well, welcome to the club. We're all in there with you. Listen, if you're a parent, you walk in going, how am I supposed to parent our child? We don't know. We're just having to kind of figure it out. And maybe you you figure out a couple different things. And then you have another kid and find out that the things that work with the first kid don't work with the second kid. And then the things that work with your first kid don't work because they get older and they become different kids. And now you have to help them. What are we doing? You might say parenting doesn't work. But on the other hand, of course, parenting works. We don't just leave our kids to fend for themselves. We train them, we love them, we teach them, we encourage them, we discipline them, we, 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 we walk with them, we help them. I mean, this is what you have to do to help a child grow up. Of course, parenting works, but it's not so simple as just to say yes or no, because every kid is unique. Every situation is unique, and you have to attack it not mechanically, but relationally. Look, you can read all the books you want. 
but it's not going to work universally across the board because this isn't a mechanical operation. It's relational. Therefore, we give each other a lot of grace when it comes to dating or parenting. What would happen if we did that in prayer? Ask the question again, does prayer work? Well, if I think about it mechanically, then I get real frustrated because, Adam, I tried the thing. I asked. I saw it. I knocked, and it it did not work. I I turned the levers of spiritual power, and nothing happened. I just think this thing is busted. It just doesn't work for people like me. If you think mechanically, you're going to get very frustrated. But what if instead of thinking about the mechanics, you thought about the relationship? What if we recognize that the ground and goal of prayer is relationship. The ground and the goal of prayer isn't just to get things done. You can't understand prayer without understanding first that it's a relationship. It's not just about the request. It's about getting to know the God that you are asking things of. You can actually see this in the parallel text. Um, I hope you know that sometimes Jesus will teach the same thing in different places and in different contexts. And sometimes he would not say it exactly the same in different places. This is why you see slight variations in different Gospels. Look what happens in Luke. Um, In Luke chapter 11, Jesus will give this exact same teaching, mainly. He'll say, ask and you'll receive, seek and you'll find, knock and the door will be open to you. He gives the exact same uh, metaphor uh, where he says, hey, if your son asks for uh, something good, like an egg, are you going to give him a scorpion? Right, so he uses the same thing, but then look how he, he ends it up in verse 13. He says, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Did you notice the change? In Matthew... He says, how much more will the Heavenly Father give good things to those who ask him? But in Luke, he says, how much more will he give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now, here's the important question. Which of those versions are you most excited about? Like, if you had to pick one, which one would you prefer? And most would say, well, I'll take both. But if you're going to make me pick one, I'm sticking with Matthew. Right? Because I got a list. I got things I need. I got things I want. And so I want God to give me good things. I mean, look, if he's offering the Holy Spirit, I'll take him. That sounds great. But if you're going to make me pick between one or the other, man, I I got things that I would like for the Lord to do. But why would the Lord make such a change? Because these two things aren't exclusionary. In fact, they're very similar, almost identical The Lord says, the greatest gift I can give you, the greatest good thing I can give you is myself. The Lord says, I don't just want to give you things. I want to give you me. I literally want my Holy Spirit to come and live inside of you. That you might have a relationship with me. I want to give you myself. Prayer is not simply about just getting your prayers answered or getting things done. Prayer is about a relationship with the Lord himself. If we don't understand that relationship, we will never understand prayer. We will never understand what this thing is or how it works or or what we should expect. But if I understand that the ground and the goal of prayer is a relationship with a God that I am speaking to, it helps me work through all the complexities, the case-by-case nature, uh, the chaotic things that, that sometimes work and don't work when it comes to prayer. And so what is Jesus saying here in Matthew chapter 7? He is saying this. He's basically saying, ask 
because the Father loves you. I want you to ask boldly for things. Why? Because you have a heavenly Father who loves you. He's not distant. He's not random. He's not abstract. This is the heavenly Father who cherishes you like a son or a daughter. This is how he approaches us in prayer. This is how he draws near to us. The question is, is that how we draw near to him? Do we draw near to him in a relationship like a child with a perfect heavenly father? If I can begin to look at prayer through the lens of relationship, it helps me to deal with those two problems that we talked about at the beginning. It helps us deal with those issues that lead us to prayerlessness. And so let's look at those in turn. Remember the first problem? The first one was this, that God doesn't actually respond to my prayers. That the God of the heavens doesn't actually respond to what I am doing. Look, the more you follow the Lord, the more you're going to learn about him. You're going to learn about his grace. You're going to learn about his glory. You're going to learn about his majesty. You're going to learn about his sovereignty. That God is sovereign. He is in control of everything. More than that, we find out that he is omniscient. He knows everything. We also find he's perfect. He is good. So we have a perfect, good God who is completely and totally in control. He has sovereignty over all creation and he always knows best what to do. If that is the case, why in the world would he ever listen to me? Surely that will not go well, will it? Did you ever see the movie Bruce Almighty? You ever see this? But Jim Carrey, he's a guy, he's mad at God and says, God, I can't believe you're doing things. You don't do things the way I would want to do them. God says, fine, you have it for a day and see how it works out. I'll just let you, Bruce, be God for a day. Spoiler alert, it doesn't work out well. Except for launching Steve Carell's career. Other than that, it doesn't work well. Because he's just answering prayers willy-nilly. He doesn't know what's going on. It just wrecks everything. Why in the world would the Lord listen to me? I don't know everything. I'm not perfectly good. I'm not in control. So why would the Lord listen to a request for, for me? Which is why some people theologically go, well, he just doesn't. God is sovereign. And so really when you're praying, all you're doing is you're just getting on board with God's opinion. You're basically just aligning yourself with what God was already going to do. So it actually isn't an answer. It's just you finally getting on God's page. It'd be almost like praying a prayer like this. God, I pray that the sun would rise at 6.42 a.m., which is awesome if you've looked up the Weather Channel and found out that sunrise is at 6.42 a.m. Prayer answered! Except that it wasn't an answer. It was going to rise whether you prayed that or not. It was just what was already going to happen. Some people, that's what prayer is, think what prayer is. I'm just praying until I figure out what God's already doing, and I just kind of align there. But it's not actually an answer. But is that what Jesus promises when he says, ask and you will receive? Let's look at a couple of verses. Check this out. I've got a few verses here. Mark chapter 11, verse 24. Jesus says this. All these are quotations from Jesus. Jesus says, therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Let's go to the next one. Here's John 14, verse 13 and 14. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. 
And so we're going, okay, yeah, I see what you're going for here. But look, man, anybody can like cherry pick verses and pick a couple things out of context. And you can say, that's maybe what it says. But I don't know if that's really what he meant like across the board. Great, let's keep going. Here's Matthew 21, verse 21. And Jesus answered them, truly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you not only will be able to do what has been done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. Go to the next one. Here's John 15 verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Okay, okay, so you got a couple more. Great. I mean, but look, we're still looking at like a couple things. Maybe it's like that parallel passage thing. I just don't know if it's still like across the board. Let's keep going. Here's Luke 18, verse 1. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. Go to the next one. Here's John 16, verses 23 and 24. In that day, you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Should I keep going? Because we can. These are everywhere. It's in every single gospel. It's in multiple contexts. It's Jesus talking to different people. He keeps saying it over and over. This isn't just Matthew 7, something he decided to say in the Sermon on the Mount. This was his consistent message where he says out loud, you can ask and you will receive from the Lord. God will actually respond to your particular prayers when you bring them to him. And when you really delve down to the theologians, you'll find out that they say the same thing. John Calvin, who's the poster boy for not only the sovereignty of God, but predestination. When he wrote the Institutes of Christian Religion, he has a chapter on predestination, on how God predetermines all of these things. The very next chapter is his chapter on prayer, where he says, if anyone does not believe that God actually responds to our particular request, that person is absurd. Because even he knows. Look, God means what he says. You can ask and you will receive. You can seek and you will find. You can knock and the door will be opened to you. He actually means that we can be answered. But why? You might say, Adam, okay, that sounds great and all, but I think you convinced me earlier. I think his ideas are better. Wait a minute, why don't we let him run these things? He does know better than I do. Why don't we just let him do what he wants instead of what I want? Why in the world would the Lord actually respond to my request? Because the goal isn't to get everything done. The goal is a relationship with us. The goal of the Lord in prayer is to not just get things done. The goal is is that he would have a relationship with us. Look how C.S. Lewis put this in one of his quotes. He says, For God seems to do nothing of himself which he can possibly delegate to his creatures. He commands us to do slowly and blunderingly what he could do perfectly in the twinkling of an eye. Why? You ever wonder that? Like why God would involve us in this process? The Lord has given us as his people the opportunity to share his gospel. Do you know how well we've done at that? Not well. Like, look at church history. Have you ever read church history? It doesn't always go so well. There are ups and there are downs. There are ways that we have not done this terribly well. God could clearly do this better. Why entrust us with this task? Because the goal isn't simply about getting things done. The goal is that we would actually know the love of a heavenly father. 
that we would be able to interact with him, that we would grow in him. And as he interacts with us, we grow in faith. As he responds to our prayers, we grow in faith. As we we learn, we watch him move around us, we grow in faith. The Lord isn't all about efficiency. He is all about relationships. Listen, if you're about efficiency, there's just certain people who are better and worse at efficiency. You know who's terrible at efficiency? Children. Children are terribly inefficient. Have you noticed that? Terribly inefficient. They're small. Their hands are small. They can't do all the things that you like them to do. They're not as tall as you would need to be. You keep having to teach them how to spell, how to read, how to write, how to talk. You have to teach them all these brand new things. I mean, if you want something done fast, don't ask a child to do it. You're going to have to get down on your hands and knees and, and help them and teach them. And yet, that's exactly what we do as parents. And we love it. It doesn't bother us to sit down and say, yes, let's trace that letter again. Let me, let me help you understand this word. Let me help you learn this new sport and I'll coach you. Let me, let me help you walk through this situation. Hey, let me walk you. We love to help them. It's not efficient, but it's definitely relational. Okay, that's what the Lord does with us. He's not interested completely in our efficiency. He's interested in our relationship with him, which is why even the God of the universe will drop everything to help us. Imagine this scenario. I want you to imagine that you have a child and that you've been praying for them to come to faith in Christ. If you're a parent, I hope you're praying that for your children. I'm praying that for mine. But you're praying that your children come to faith in Christ. You've been praying that for years. And then one day, out of the blue, your child comes to you and says, hey, I I think I want to become a Christian. Could we talk for a minute? I, I would like to talk about faith in Jesus Christ. There's only one problem. You were watching a TV show. Or you were working on your car. Or you were on a work call. Or you had something else planned and you need to get out the door in the next five minutes. How would you respond to your child? Would you say, this is great, such an answered prayer. Can we book some time on Tuesday to talk about that? Or would you drop everything and scrap all of your plans to have that conversation? Who would scrap your plans? Anybody? Yes? Of course you would. We all would. We've been praying for this. It doesn't matter what we had planned. It doesn't matter what we were doing. This is more important than that, which is exactly how the Lord works in our lives where he says, yes, I'm doing all kinds of things and I can maneuver everything, so don't worry about that. But what's most important is that you know me, is that you abide in me. And so, yes, I will respond to your request. Ask and you receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. And so, yes, he does respond. But that gets us to the second problem. The second problem is, yeah, but Adam, it still doesn't work. He said, Adam, look, that sounds great. That sounds awesome. It's just not my experience. It's just not what I've seen to be the case. Adam, I got, a, I got a bunch of prayers back in my history, and I just haven't seen God answer all of them, if not most of them. And I've got a few instances where I really don't understand. I got prayers that were God-honoring. I searched my heart. This is not selfish. This is something that would have honored the Lord. I prayed this, and it did not come to pass. And what do I do with that? God, you're telling, Adam, you're telling me that this God loves me and he cherishes me and it's this whole relationship thing, but this thing happened and I prayed against it, but it happened anyway. What do I do 
with that. So you know what? Maybe it's just easier to not be disappointed. Maybe it's easier to not be frustrated. Maybe it's easier not to be heard and just stop praying and say, God will just figure it out. He'll do what he wants anyway. So I'm just not praying about that anymore. And so we don't. Because we don't understand how that might work. And look, I, I understand that. I've been there just like you. Look, we pray all the time for things, and sometimes God responds in the way that we want, and sometimes he doesn't. I mean, look, Art Vernon's sitting here. First time back in months, struggling medically. We've prayed for you, brother. We prayed for you to be sitting right here. And God has answered that prayer, and he's sitting right here today. That's exciting. There we go. Yeah. There you go. And so we've all been praying. I also performed a funeral for Jerry Savage on Monday in this room. I was on my knees praying for him. We didn't get the answer that we looked for there. Why? Why this and not that? Why does God move here and not there? Why does it work in some one certain situation and not another? That's not just my experience. That's all of our experience. And what do we do with that? How do we deal with these things? In order to understand that, I mean, look, let's look at the most, let's look at the most famous unanswered prayer in all of Scripture. Let's look at the most, the most famous unanswered prayer in all of Scripture. Do you know what it is? It happens with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus is on the eve of his crucifixion and he knows it's coming. He knows exactly what is coming. And as he prepares for that moment, he comes to a place where he says, I don't want to do this anymore. And that's what he prays. So he goes off by himself. In Luke 22, 41 and 42, he says, And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And look, we've heard this a lot if you've been in church. And if he says he knelt down and prayed, please do not assume he just kind of sat here quietly and, and knelt down to pray. He is sweating profusely. He is so anxious, he can't get up off the piece of ground he's thrown himself down on. He's scared. And says to the father, don't make me do this. Don't make me do this. I don't want to do this. That's where he's at. And do you know how God responds? He doesn't. He gets encouraged And then he goes to the cross. Why? There is no one more righteous than Jesus. There is no one who is more loved than Jesus. He is the very son of the heavenly father. He is one with God himself. There is no one more loved. If anybody can say, I deserve my prayers to be answered, it would be Jesus. How in the world can the father not answer his request? And weirdly, we know now what he did not know in that moment. 
Because if the Lord answers that request, there is no salvation for anybody. We're all lost. All of us. There is no hope for the entirety of humanity if the Father answers this very sincere request. And he knows exactly what Jesus is going to say when he's out of this moment of weakness. He said, Adam, how can I, God, not, or Jesus not know everything? There's a mystery here with Jesus being fully God and fully man, but in this moment, he is like us. He is experiencing this as we would. And he feels that pain and that fear and that confusion. He feels all of it. But after this is done, when he goes to the cross for our very sins, though we do not deserve it, when he rises from the grave, he is united once again with the Lord. He has the fullness to offer to us. He says, I'm so glad that prayer did not get answered. I'm so glad, Father, you listened to the back half and not the front half of not my will, but yours be done because in Jesus Christ, we all now have salvation, but don't miss the fact that it came through an unanswered prayer. The Lord often is gonna answer our request. The Lord often is gonna give us what we want. The Lord often is gonna go out of his way to show that he's here, to show that he helps us, but that does not mean that he's going to do everything literally. He's going to do every single thing that we ask. Why? Because doing that might harm us. Doing that might hurt us. Doing that might not take into account things that he understands and that while he longs and even enjoys to help us and to respond to us and to give us things, he does not do this carte blanche because it's not a mechanism. It's not a machine. It's a relationship and he loves us. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't ask. It doesn't mean that that's always the case. We ought always to ask because the Lord invites us to do so simply because he doesn't respond the way we want or expect in certain instances does not mean, therefore, that he's not going to react in any circumstance. He says, no, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. And so what does that look like in practicality? Well, I think it looks a lot like what Jesus just prayed in fact, Paul Miller in our companion book, A Praying Life, in one of his chapters, he lays this out well as a very simple statement where he says this, here's how we then can approach prayer. We can ask boldly and surrender completely. When it comes to prayer, we should ask boldly and surrender completely. Most of us are doing half of that. We're either asking for everything and we get confused when it doesn't happen or we just trust completely and we ask for nothing and in reality, we need both. We need to ask boldly, but also trust completely. What does that look like? Well, first off, ask boldly. He means it. Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. So ask. Bring your request to God. In everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, bring your request to God. We can ask for things. And don't just ask. Be specific. Man, don't pray generic prayers. People are praying all the time. God, be with me today. How's he going to react? Okay, fine. I was already there. It doesn't require anything of the Lord for him to be with you today. 
God helps so-and-so. How would you know if he helps so-and-so? Get more specific. How are you going to see the hand of God? How are you going to see him moving unless we pray specifically? And look, even that process will winnow our prayers. You might pray a prayer like last night, last week with 109 and find out that maybe this prayer isn't the best prayer. Maybe there's different motives in me I need to work on. Or maybe God begins to move my prayers to align more with his desires. There's all things that can happen, but it all starts with asking. Be specific. Write it down so you can see what God will do. Ask, pray boldly, specifically, and then trust completely. Don't hold God to some standard. You said if you were going to do this, you have to do this now. I got you over a barrel, God. You must do this. That's what the machine says. It's not a machine. It's a relationship. Trust him because he loves you, because he cares for you. He is a father who adores you. If you're his child, if you've surrendered your life to the Lord, if he's forgiven you of your sins, if you trust him for salvation and not yourself, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you've trusted him enough to say, you love me enough to die on the cross for me, then I can trust him to come up with the best answer to my request. I can say, God, this is what I'm looking for, but you show me if something's better here, but I choose to trust you. Even if it doesn't make sense to me, I choose to trust you. I surrender completely. Not my will, but yours be done. It's both. Ask boldly, trust completely, and you and I will see God himself moving in our very midst. Can you imagine how your prayer life might change if you saw God answer prayer on a consistent basis? That would change everything. So do this for me. Bite your heads and close your eyes for just a moment. We're going to spend some time practicing this. We're going to spend some consistent time in worship here. We're not just a minute or two. We've got some time to be here. And so you have some time to pray. To lift up your request to God. To ask. To seek. To knock. And to see what he will do. On his time, not ours. But make no mistake, he answers. He is moving, and the invitation is for you. Not somebody else, but for you. Look, again, I know some of you are amazing prayer warriors, but if you've struggled with that prayerlessness, if you struggle with those doubts, maybe today is the day we, we just choose to trust God instead of trusting our doubts. We choose to trust the love of a heavenly Father over our fear of disappointment. What if we look to the cross and see just what kind of Savior we have to give us hope and courage to believe? He says, yes, ask, seek, and knock. What do you need to pray about today? What specific request do you need to lay before his feet? Maybe you've been trying to fix it on your own. Have we prayed? Can we leave it in his hands? Can we let him lead and guide? So that's what we're going to do. There's places here up front. If you want to come and kneel up front and pray, you can. I'm going to be standing here up front. If you want somebody to pray with you, I'd love to pray with you. If you want to stay there at your seat, you can as well. But you have an opportunity right now to answer the invitation. The invitation of God himself. Who says, ask, seek, knock. Because you will be answered. 
I wonder what the Lord might say to you. So Heavenly Father, speak to us, help us, encourage us. Lord, can you answer and just work on the fears that we have, the fears from our own disappointments, the fears from our own failures or past hurts that might keep us from trusting you. Father, would you also just help us and forgive us where we tried to spiritually maneuver you into a place where you had to do what we wanted instead of trusting that you still know best. Father, for all my brothers and sisters here, no matter where we find ourselves today, could today be a day we choose to ask boldly and trust completely as we answer the invitation that you have given to us. And so hear us, Lord, as we pray today. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Stand with me if you will. Let's worship together. Maybe you want to stay in an attitude of prayer. You want to come forward. You want to sing and worship. Let's respond to the invitation the Lord has given to us. Isn't it good news to know that the God who says, draw near to me, is the one who loves you, who gave his very life for you, who's not simply teaching you a history lesson, says, no, right now, I care for you. I'm drawing you. I want you to abide in me. It's all about relationship. And so, yes, he will interact with us. Yes, he will respond to us. Would we also, therefore, draw near to him? What if that became our stance where abiding was so natural to us, we could not help but ask and see the movement of God in front of us? I am excited to see how God is going to respond to our prayers over the next seven days of what he's going to do as we draw near, as we ask, seek, and knock, what the God of the heavens is going to do in response to us in our midst. We'll have more opportunities to praise him. Amen. Look, here's one thing you can pray about, and we can all pray about specifically. We mentioned it earlier, but this next Sunday, we have Trunk or Treat. It may seem like a weird way to segue here at the end, but this actually is very, very important. Here's why. Look, yesterday, how many of you are at the Fall Festival? Anybody? Yesterday, Mount Laurel Fall Festival? This place was packed yesterday. It was awesome. It was incredible. I got to meet a ton of people, saw people I haven't seen in a while, but it was packed, which hopefully means we're going to have a very good crowd next week. We have a specific opportunity to impact this area, to see people we would not otherwise see, to interact with them, to really just love on them by giving them free candy, but also hopefully to have encounters, opportunities, reconnections, invitations to come and worship with us. So they can have an interaction, not just with us, but more importantly, with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so here's what we need. Look, we got a lot of trunks signed up, which I'm so thankful about. We still need about 10 more trunks. And so if you thought, oh, they probably have enough. Nope, need yours. So listen, even if you're listening on the podcast, I'm talking to you. So listen, come on, we need you. We need you to be here. So look, if you got a place signed up, if you said, oh, I'm going to, I just hadn't signed up. Okay, we got to know that. Uh, over here, doubleoakcc.org slash trunk or treat. Let us know you're doing that so we can put you in the map and all those kind of things. Uh, we need candy, so bring that next Sunday morning. You can drop it off right over here at uh, Commons Corner and say, hey, I've got candy uh, to hand out there. We still need volunteers. Let us know. But look, if you say, Adam, even beyond all that, I just can't be here. I'm going to be gone for whatever reasons. I need you to pray. I need you to pray specifically about an opportunity to impact our area. 
opportunities for relationships to be rekindled, opportunities for people to be drawn in to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ as they interact with us. So pray for all of these things. Pray for good weather. I mean that. Pray for really, just, just pray for this next event that the Lord might use it to bring him glory and to draw more people back to him. And I'm excited we're gonna get to do that together and watch him answer those prayers, all right? I'm excited about it. It's gonna be great. But listen, in the name of Jesus Christ, who is listening even now, in the name of Jesus Christ, who is active and moving, in the name of Christ, who has invited us to ask, seek, and knock, may we do those very things. May we leave ready to seek after him, giving him specific requests, chasing after him, and trusting him completely with the response and giving him glory as he does so. So as we leave here to chase after him, in the name of Jesus Christ, who's done all these things and more, may we all go in peace.